You're listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.us or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Thanks, Nikki. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Man, it feels good to have you all back in the building. My gosh. That old saying, I don't know, it may have even been a song. You don't know what you got till it's gone. Right? <clears throat> Some of us have found that out in other circumstances, but we found it out in church. Just the, It's easy to unintentionally not value the gathering together uh, that we have through, you know, what we call, you know, church services or, or our Bible studies or anytime we're in the building together and we have events. When you grow up in that or you've done it for so long, you can easily lose value for it. Because you think, that's just what I do. It's just, you know, we get in the, uh, the habit, and you're just like, I just go to church uh, on Sunday, or I go to church on Wednesday, or both, or some other night. I always go to these events. And then when you can't do that, you're like, wow, this is, I'm really missing this aspect of my life. And this, this really is impacting me. This really is adding value to what God's doing in my life. This being in community and in relationship with other believers and being able to gather and worship corporately. I mean, you can feel the difference. Some of us, there's only been a handful of us in the building, but you can tell, I mean, over the time of the COVID-19 crisis, but when this morning you can just feel the increase of hunger in P, I could feel the increase of hunger that was in the room. And I believe it coincides with the fact that each one of us, whether consciously or subconsciously, have realized we've been missing out on something. We've missing out on the gathering of, you know, of this, what it says, don't forsake the assembling together of the saints. I mean, there's a reason for that. But I want, I want to clarify that that was never intended to make Sunday service the big thing. Last night I was, I was getting ready to shave and I, I just felt this overwhelming presence of God come on me and 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 I could and it was like have you ever had him speak to you but he didn't speak to you like in your head like you didn't hear him in your heart you didn't hear a voice but you just knew like in internally um in your in your knower <laughs> it was just like intuition of I just started to say I was sorry for making Sunday the big thing to making church the big thing it's like it's easy to, some of you may not understand this, but if you've ever been to ministry, you understand this. It's like you prepare all week for this day or these few days, and then it all becomes about preparation for the event, and it's not actually uh, equipping uh, and empowering for the daily life. And I'm like, God, I'm so sorry if I've made it about the, about, if I've made Sunday the big deal, right? Because I'm not saying Sunday's not a big deal, but every day's a big deal. Every moment, every breath, every time I wake up and, and I'm still on this, this side of heaven. I've got breath in my body. The Spirit of God is in me and upon me. There's a reason for that, right? It's like, it's not, I'm not just existing to do something. I, I am actually alive to be someone and be a representation of the one who created this whole thing and, and, and saved my life 
who laid down his life for mine. It's, oh, it's, it's not about the event. The events are supposed to edify us, equip us, empower us, and it's family time. We begin to build relationship. We realize that in a community of believers that we're, we're better together. Like we're, we can lean on each other. We all go through different seasons. We're uh, at different times. We're all in different stages of our growth. We glean from one another regardless whether we've been in the faith for a long time or we've only been in it for a little while. We learn from each other. It's that iron sharpens iron thing, right? It's I can learn from anybody if I, if I remain teachable. And so we realize that the Sunday gathering, it's, it is, it builds our relationships with one another and we get bonded together and we realize that this is a, it's not a, a solo mission, right? <laughs> I mean, I realize we're not alone because we always have Jesus, but we're also not created to do this alone. We are the body of Christ. It's the, the bride, we are the bride of Christ and it is meant to be bonded together as one living, breathing organism, right? That's what we're for. And so it's, I just want to publicly apologize. Thanks for, for tuning. I forgot we were live because you guys are in the building, but we also are live right now. And so thanks for tuning in if you couldn't make it. Um, but I, I want to apologize publicly if, I, if I've ever made it. And, and you guys would never know that. Like only only. And a lot of times we think that we, I don't want to say that because it might spread some kind of fear or whatever, but you guys would never know if I, if I prepared for Sunday like it was the big deal. Well, most of my life I, I've, I haven't done that because I've had people that have taught me that it's not just about that. But there are still times when I've done that. And it's all this preparation goes into this day. And, the, and then that becomes the normal for our nation. That it all becomes about this day and about this event and it all becomes about who's on stage and what they're doing and what they sound like. And, and, and I believe for everybody that's, that's listening that God's going to do this, this repentance thing in, in, in us, change our, change our minds about what this is supposed to be about. And so these, I don't want you to hear that I'm saying this isn't valuable. I just, hopefully you caught that, right? I hope so, that you caught that this is, this is, this is valuable. But, but this is valuable for the relational aspect, the corporate worship aspect of what the corporate anointing that we don't have, I don't have time to go into today, of what it does when we, we you know, come together. Nikki touched on that, that it increases when we're together. It's powerful when we're alone with Jesus, but it increases when we're together. I don't quite understand how all that works, but I'm, and I'm okay with that. So this is valuable. It's the, it's the training and equipping time so that I, I just feel it's shifting, you know, in our minds. It's going to shift in our mindset, shifting a mind. That's why I'm apologizing if I've ever done that. It's because I don't ever want this to be the focal point. I want this to be the training and equipping time. I want this to be the empowering, the encouraging time. This fan into flame, the gifts that are in you. You know, I want to cheer you on and, and do. That's what we want to do as a, as a team and, and what we should be doing for one, one another on, on a daily basis. But want this time to be what God intended it to be. So that every day becomes the big deal. Every day that I wake up with Him, it becomes a big deal. Because grace and mercy has made it possible. And then, then I get to go out and I get to, I get to show people that He is who he says he is. 
All right. And so I want to I want to read some some Bible to you. Is that okay? I want to read some scripture to you. Man, it's good to see your faces in person. I'm happy. That whole introdu- that whole introduction didn't have anything to do with what well, it did have some to do with what I was talking about today, but <clears throat> I just feel this whole situation is um, is shifting. It's it's shifting things in the body of Christ. It's shifting shifting things in our mindsets of what this thing is really about, right? Because when when this pandemic hit, and and I've I've said this already. It's worth saying again. Is that in in the narrow scope of of my influence and and what I know is happening in this nation, which is only. A small bit. Any of us only know probably 10% of what's really happening in the church, right? Because it's just kind of whatever stream we're in or whatever we hear. Oh, but what I saw was not the response that we teach, preach, read books about, or sing songs about. And that's for me. I'm not, I'm not pointing at the body. I'm saying I did not respond in the way that I thought I would if you would have told me this was going to happen. Right? And so it was, a, it was a faith check for me. It was a faith check, and it, it was, and that's good. And my, and my personal opinion is that when I know what level of faith that I actually have because I face a situation that challenges what I believe, I have to face situations that challenge my belief system. Because when that happens, I realize where my faith is, and it gives me an opportunity to take the invitation of Jesus and go deeper with Him. And so it's not a, you know, Oh no, I don't believe I don't have it together like I thought I did. I don't go into those places. That's, that, there's nothing down that road. It, it is literally, okay, my face here, this is how I thought I would have responded, but I didn't. What do I, need to, what, do I need, what do I need to believe differently than what I did? All right? I thought this truth had, had transformed my mind, but it really didn't. All right? I thought, it was, I thought what I was preaching was actually a part of me, but it was only head knowledge. It actually wasn't part of my foundation. And all those things are good to find out because it's easy to talk the talk. But it, when it comes time, right, when it comes game time, even, even all the practice, you know, when it becomes game time, you're like, I got to use sports analogies. We can't watch anything right now on, on TV. There's no sports shut down. My soul is longing for physical contact sports. <laughs> Somebody, you just... They just put two people, you know, running into each other on TV. I'd be happy. Just <laughs> I mean, they can have headgear on and all that. I just need, you know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but all the preparation. I mean, it's it's it, you never actually know how you'll respond until until real life happens, until the game really happens. You know, it's like you don't. You don't know, and so it's, it's that every revelation requires a response. Every revelation requires me to respond to a situation that contradicts my revelation. And, and if I, I don't face those situations, I never actually know what I believe. I only know what I tell you I believe, or what I think I believe. And so opposition is necessary to my faith, because we live from a faith that is otherworldly, right? The kingdom is not of this world, but it is to come and transform this world. And who's that happened through? It, it happens through, through us, because that was what he decided. Oh, it, it gets to be the co-mission. And, and, and 
So there are things that have happened during this time that, that should continue to change the way that we think. Because what's easy, when, when 9-11 happened, the churches were fuller than ever had been. Right? That was the response, was people turned towards God when bad times happened in the short time that our countries existed. Well, it hasn't really been that long compared to the other countries that are, that are around us. And so, but what happens is after, it's slower and slower. It's not that we don't forget because we celebrate, or you know what I mean? We celebrate the, the memory of the people that cost their life and that gave their life and all of those things when, when the date comes. But when things begin to go back to normal, it's easy for us to forget what, what happened that got us to the place that we were. And then God becomes just my response to tragedy. And I just run towards Him when things are wrong in my life and I don't need Him any other time. But the Christian life was never created to be like that. And if nobody ever lives that, the, what, what the Christian life, what Jesus demonstrated, what He called us to, if nobody ever lives that out in front of other people, they don't ever have a, a point of reference to look to. They don't, you know, that's what I needed, a point of reference. I needed to see it in the Bible, but I also needed to see somebody actually living it. Even if they were making mistakes and, and, and owning them and, and teaching me how to clean up my mess and all that, that, you know, people I know do that. They're very, they're vulnerable. The people that mentor me and, and, and us and, and teach us, they're vulnerable in, the, in their mistakes. They teach, I, I teach oftentimes from the mistakes they make. But I watch their life and, and I actually do life with them. And, and I get to see that they're a representation of what Jesus looks like in, at the greatest level that they can be in this season with the amount of grace that they have and, and, and their understanding of it. And that has helped me. And so all of us are called to do that as we are agents of change in the world around us. And so let me read these scriptures to you out of Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 What time I started? <laughs> Colossians chapter three, verse twelve. I'm uh, I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. You know what? No, I'm not. I was debating about that earlier and what translation I read out of because I'll get to that. So out of the New King James Version, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. I was just going to read verses 16 and 17 to you, but there's so much that goes. I mean, it's just like there's so much good truth that goes into this. And hopefully by verse 17, you'll see what Paul is actually doing. There's, there's importance to all Scripture, and Scripture must be interpreted by Scripture. You can tell my teachers in the house, they're like, amen, and that's, it's true. No, you know, I don't, I don't know about you, but I've made assumptions that people understand certain truths 
kingdom truths, I've made assumption that they understand them when I teach or when I, you know, when I speak. Is that you understand what, how, to, how to read the Bible. Did somebody ever teach you how to read the Bible? Anybody ever teach you how to study the Bible? Did anybody ever teach you how to pray? Did anybody ever? It's easy to make the assumptions because we, we say all these great things and we think that you get it. And sometimes it's, it's okay to go back over the basics. Review in education is like the focal point of everything they do. It's constant review. And so we review things often because we realize that sometimes we just haven't got it yet. And that's okay. And that's not a, you know, I'm not poking or dissing anybody. It's just that it's, it's more than a sermon that it takes to get a truth down in you to where it actually changes you. Because you can hoorah and amen and hallelujah the sermon, right? But then it gets activated when you leave the building. And only you and Jesus and the people that you're close to really know whether that truth's been lived out in your life. <laughs> right? Like, I've found my joy. Like, have you? Or is it just on Sunday? Right? Because there's been times when I've found my joy on Sunday, but then I woke up Monday and I'd lost my joy. I don't know where it went. I left it. It was, and Maybe it was in my car before I got out of the car. I don't know if it was... It, it was somewhere, but it... <laughs> It was not on my face, I'll tell you that. And it's, and so, oh yes, Jesus. I'm really going to read these scriptures, I promise. Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Thankful in all situations, not thankful for all things. <clears throat> let the word of Christ, this is verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns, in spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Okay. Have you ever thought that verse 17, when it says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Have you ever thought that that means every time I pray, I just need to say Jesus' name. Like I need to tag Jesus' name onto everything that I do. Like as long as I do it in Jesus' name. Like I pray, I bless my food in Jesus' name. Anybody, anybody ever thought that? That this is the... the, the Whatever you do in word or deed, you do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, right? That word name there in the Greek actually means authority and character. And in the New Living Translation, it says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all as a representation or a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or you could say it like this, do all as a representation of of who Jesus is in everything 
that you do. Because Paul had just laid out, starting in verse 12, he's like, now that you are Christians, these things you need to put on. And so put on denotes action, right? It means that I actually have a choice in what I am doing, is that I can put on humility, I can put on loving kindness, I can put on patience. It means that I have a choice in whether or not I live out of those places. And so then he runs down. I mean, it's pretty much the gospel in these, in these verses. He's like, and then if you've got any offenses, you need to forgive people just as you've also been forgiven. Actually, he says, so you must also do. Like, he's, he's setting us up. And so the, when, when the New Testament, anywhere in there, when one of the authors of it, remember, all Scripture inspired, given by Holy Spirit. And so it is literally God's instruction manual to us of what we are capable of. He's not pointing to, because when we grow up in a culture where only our faults are pointed out and our shortcomings, if we grow up in that type of culture, and then what happens is, is when I see something in the Bible that says I should do it and I don't currently live in it in my life, I think poorly of myself. It's, it's almost as if it becomes disempowering when it was created to be empowering. When it points us towards the things that we were created to actually live in and not pointing at the things that we lack in our lives. Because everything that Paul is, is laying out in this portion of Scripture and throughout the New Testament is he's pointing us to our new character. He's pointing us to what we are capable of. It's, it's like God knew what he was doing when he wrote the Bible. <laughs> but if I don't understand that, if I don't understand why the scriptures say this, then I'll read this from a negative standpoint and think that I just need to try harder so that I can be these things when it's actually I just need to realize that everything I do, I am doing in the name of. I am doing as a representation of the Lord Jesus. I, and so when two people get married, traditionally, the wife takes on the last name of the husband, right? And so then, as soon as that happens, what that's a sign of covenant. It's an outward sign of an inward covenant, of your inward yes to two people who said yes to one another at the altar before God and all of these, what do they say? Witnesses. Because you were there actually to take part in the ceremony. You weren't actually there to celebrate the marriage alone. Did you know that? You're like, hold on, you messed up all my, every reason I went to every wedding. I didn't know that for the longest time. That's why they split the aisle. So that the, it's not because so the focal point can just be on the bride. It's because it's a sign of cover, covenant. Abraham had the vision. Two animals were split in two. I'm sorry that's gross. It just is what it is. And, and so the animals were split in two. And he has this vision. He sees this torch. And God shows him, you know, this path between the animals. And he's saying he's making covenant with Abraham. Right? And if I, if I disavow or break this covenant, let it be as it was to these animals. That's why we say, till death do us part. 
Get it? Till death do us part. And so when you walk down the center aisle, it is literally, you're making cut. You, you, once, the beginning, once the beginning of that aisle, you've started down that thing. You've, you're, with every step, you've said yes, 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 yes. With every step, you're walking through covenants. And then when you get to the altar, then you're publicly announcing what you've already said privately to one another. And before that, in your own hearts. Of I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Till death do us part. Till one of us goes home to be with Jesus. <laughs> and so when, when the last name is taken on by the wife. That gives the wife. She comes in that moment as a representation of that family. She's now in the family. Right? Because when you're getting married, you're marrying, I know, yeah, you're, join, you're joining family. But it's, it's, a, it's about family. And so the wife becomes a representation of the last name of that family. But also in that name, she is able to, if she's on the account, we won't get into why you don't have joint accounts, but... I'm just saying, we had them, we were separate accounts. Why you don't have separate accounts, or why you don't have joint accounts, yeah, either one. <laughs> Lindsay and I had a joint account since before, when we were engaged. Unless it's for tax purposes, if you trust each other, why not? And so with her name, if we're on the same account, she has authorization and the authority to do business, to sign checks, right? To do anything on that account. She's authorized to deposit, to take money out of, to do all those things, to get a debit card, to get a credit card. She can do all of those things because of the name that's on that account, and now that we've become one, we, she actually has that authority. When she signs that name, it's authorization. The name gave her the power, right? The name gave her the authorization that the covenant got her to. And what are we? We are the bride of Christ. And the moment that you and I said yes to Jesus... We didn't just say yes to one day I'll go to heaven to spend eternity with you, which is beyond my comprehension, honestly. I try to understand it the best I can, but I really can't. I just know it's going to be amazing, and I'm excited that I'm on the list, right? In, in Luke chapter 10, he had sent out the 70 two by two, and he gave them authority. He said, he, whatever town you go into, heal the sick. And he gave him authority to cast out demons. If you tune in Wednesday night, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you about, hopefully, that I'm, I'm ready for the time when we'll start healing the sick and quit praying for the sick. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And so when he gave them authority to do that, they come back and they said, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They have the authority of his name not even actually in covenant, 
with them, but they were able to use it to show us a foretaste or a foreshadowing of what would take place after Jesus was resurrected from the dead and ascended to heaven and gave the Holy Spirit the promise of the Holy Spirit and all believers would receive, all that those who would believe would receive. But Jesus tells them, don't, don't get excited about the demons are subject to you in my name. Be excited that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life, right? Remember that this isn't about just doing the stuff. It's that you've been chosen before the foundation of the world to be one with me. And so this this covenant that we have, this, it's, it's as if, it tells us in Philippians chapter 4, that we, I'm sorry, yeah, Philippians 4. I'm trying to see where that verse is. It gives us all access to what Jesus has already done. We have, let me say it like this, is that we are a part of the family business the moment that you and I say yes to Jesus. That the covenant gave us authorization and authority not just to use his name, but to live out of the character that we were created to, to live out of the nature of who Jesus represented. He showed us, the example I was talking about, he showed us what the Father looks like, then gives us an opportunity to walk in the same thing that he walked in. And we find out that it's not just about using a name, it's actually that we are already living out of that nature, and all we have to do is realize it. We get the privilege of discovering the things that Jesus has placed on the inside of us the moment that we said yes. Remember, this is all about covenant. And so if we became one, then the characteristics of Jesus, the nature of Jesus... All of the things that Holy Spirit has made possible, that He made possible in Jesus' life, He's made possible in our life. And the moment that we said yes to Him, we got all of those things. He wasn't waiting until He trusted us to put us on the joint account. He wasn't waiting for us to prove something to Him until He put us on the joint account. He's like, I don't know yet if I can trust you with my debit card. So I'm going to wait six months or a year or two years. And we'll see how this thing goes. Right? We'll, we'll see. I'm not going to give you a checkbook yet. You can bear the name, but you don't have any ability to be able to make any transactions in it. Unfortunately, as believers, we can not realize at times what we have the authority to do. Authority means jurisdiction, privilege. It's actually the right to do this. I know it comes by grace, but it, it, he says you have the right to live the life that I demonstrated for you. And then it becomes less about, I'm trying to use this name. And please, this is what I'm not saying. I'm not saying the name of Jesus isn't powerful. Right, that the name of Jesus, every tongue, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. It's the only name under heaven, you know, Acts four twelve, in which we shall be saved. It is. I mean, it's everything. Repent, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
you know, you shall be forgiven, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That Acts 2.38. The name is powerful. When you say the name, I've seen unbelievers use the name and see people healed. When we pray for, pray for people, all right? I'll have them, often if we're out in public, I'll have an unbeliever who doesn't know Jesus yet, pre-Christian. <laughs> pre-Christian. Because that's God's hope for every person. So every person is pre-Christian. Every person in the world. It doesn't matter what state they live in currently or what lifestyle they're in, they're all pre-Christian. We will have them pray and use the name of Jesus. And the authority is attached to the name. And so, yes, you can use the name outside of covenant, but when the name is used outside of covenant, what that, I, I believe this, is when, when Jesus allows something like that to take place, when he allows me to give permission to somebody to use his name in that moment, that what it's supposed to do is show them the goodness of God so that they'll come into covenant with him and not only use the name for healing and driving out demons, but they will become a representation, a representative of the Lord Jesus in character and in nature everywhere they go. And so this is, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3, verse 8, part B of the verse. It shows us what Jesus was here for. When I can see what He was here for, this is why it's important. When I can see what he's here for, it shows me the lifestyle I was created for. It doesn't mean it will be expressed the same way through every person, but it will be the same result. It can be expressed through your personality and your sense of humor and, and your ideas and whatever that looks like, but it all becomes a different, so it's different expressions of the same kingdom culture. <clears throat> You could say it was different expressions of the Father's heart coming through each one of us so that the world can see a whole heart, the whole heart of the Father, so that they can see what the Father looks like. It's that 1 Corinthians 13. We know in part and we prophesy in part. Right? I would be foolish to think that my prophetic word was a whole picture of what God was doing. It's only a, a, a very, very, very small part of what He's doing. And that's why it's important that we all realize that we can all hear God so that all can prophesy and then we can get a full picture of what he's, he's doing. But in the same way, we need a full expression of what Jesus looks like in every single mountain of influence. Every single place in the world, not just in the church world, not just on Wednesday, not just on Sunday, not just on, on outreach, but in our daily lives, in our jobs, in the day-to-day. -day. Remember, the day-to-day -day is the big deal, right? That's what, it's, that's what it's all about. And we come together like moments like this, and we, we find out. That, so I find out what I was created to do and how I can do it. So now I'll give you the, the how-to as, as I close. Because when I see this, Remember, let this be encouragement and empowerment and not discouragement and, and defeat. <laughs> because it'd be easy for me to read the Bible at times and think I'm not living up to the standard, which is Jesus. What if we did this? What if when I read the Bible that it actually drew me into what the standard is? That I, I read the Bible from a perspective that actually pulled me into everything that it says is possible.
Because when we're one, when I've said yes in that covenant, I realize, I'm supposed to realize that what my spouse wants for me is what's best, right? They, they, they have the most healthy perspective of me. This is how it's supposed to work. They have the most healthy perspective of me. That's, they actually see me the way that Jesus does. And they want to make, they want to empower, yeah, right? Lindsay wants to empower me and see me do everything that I'm created for and vice versa. And so when that takes place, I realize that when she shares something with me, it becomes an invitation into a more mature, more loving self. And then I quit looking at it as my, as, as criticism, but I actually look at it, and I'm not saying it can't be that, but I quit looking at it as criticism, and I actually look at it as they see something that I don't. And that's what happens when I look in the Bible. It's a mirror. It's see, it's, there's things in here, God sees things that I don't. And so sometimes when I read the scripture, or he's having us, he's like, okay, he leads you to a particular place in the Bible, and you begin to look at it, and you say, well, I'm lacking this in my life. It's why you're reading it. It's why I'm reading it. Because it's pulling me into that place, and he's showing me. Every day, this is what he wants to do. He wants to empower every one of us on a daily basis. That's what, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He's not here to, to make our life a bummer, right? He's here, to, he's here to empower us so that we thrive in every season. This is something right here that because when I realize who I am as a representation, I will effortlessly walk in the authority of Jesus Christ. This is how I know I'm walking in authority, that I will never bow to fear. Fear of a disease, fear of a virus, fear of you touching me, fear of any... I'm not saying don't use wisdom. I'm not saying that. But I won't be afraid. I won't have submitted to fear. Doesn't mean I don't feel fear. Doesn't mean I don't know what's in the room. Don't mean, it doesn't mean I, I don't know what's trying to lie to me and, and speak things, you know, shoot those fiery darts in my mind. It doesn't mean that I'm not aware of that. It means that when I know who I am, I realize that it is way more afraid of me than I am of it. That I was not created to be tormented by fear. I was created to torment it. And not by focusing on it, but by just being me. Stand with me if you would. <clears throat> the how-to. The how-to is to literally this is one of this every season this is important i don't know how you like to read the bible if you like to listen to it if you like to watch the bible project on youtube whatever it is i i, I love to study i love to study the bible but and so that often, for me, requires me looking at my iPad or whatever. That's where I have eSword for, on iPad. is just an amazing study tool. There are bunches of them out there. Whatever your favorite is, just use it, whatever it is. <laughs> I don't, it doesn't matter to me which one you use. They all do pretty much the same thing. Whatever has your, you know. I, I don't do a lot of commentaries. Commentaries aren't bad. I just personally don't, I don't use a lot of them. I will occasionally, but I'll study 
uh, with Greek and Hebrew, the dictionary, so that the Greek and Hebrew actually makes sense to me in English. And then, so it expounds on it. And then I'll look up what, what words mean. It's a word study. But sometimes what I've found out is best is just to get out what we now would say the old-fashioned, right? With the, uh, yep, leather back or faux leather back, whatever you like, whatever you got. And just begin to read passages, uh, even if it's, uh, it's like this. You know, I read Colossians 12 through 17. I, I could get more than a day's worth of food off of that, right? I, I may read that. You could read that for a week or longer and just read it over and over and let it continually be an, an invitation. And so this, I mean, it's just reading. To me, it's reading the, the Bible out of relationship, not out of obligation. I read the Bible for years out of obligation. I just need to get my Bible reading in today. I need to read my daily bread. As long as I do that, read a proverb, it's somehow going to miraculously change my day. If I just speed through it, get through this, <laughs> this daily bread, I'll go off into my day, and somehow I've been miraculously changed, right? It just I found it just doesn't work like that. There's quality time that's involved. There's undivided, undistracted time of reading His Word, not quantity, quality. And it comes out of that place of, Jesus, let's sit together. Let's just be together today. And if you only have a small window of time, that's okay. Just make it undistracted. I sit my phone in the other room now. Otherwise, you're just looking. That undistracted time, if you've ever went out to, to dinner with somebody, we've, we've had this talk before. If you're around to dinner, you're like, you're looking at your phone. We're, we're spending time together. Mm, not really. We are in the same room together. But spending time with somebody, quality time with somebody, is different. And that's what we're looking for. So even if it's a short amount of time, I encourage you to up the amount of time that you spend with Jesus. But even if it's a short amount of time, make it that quality time. I believe it's God's number one love language, quality time. This isn't complicated. And remember, everything that you see in this, in this Bible is an invitation into what you already have. I can't stress this enough, what you already have on the inside of you. You already have a new nature. It's already there. The Christian life becomes way more about discovery than it is. So when I get a breakthrough, I'm discovering what's in here. I'm discovering who I already am. I'm discovering more of what he's placed in me. It's just amazing. And when I, when I focus on that, when I focus on that, every day becomes an adventure. I think about this at night now. Before I, I'm like, Jesus, I can't wait to get up and spend time. I can't wait to get this time with you, this undistracted time. I've got a new routine I'm doing. And so it's, I'm just excited about spending time with him. I understand, I understand the Christian life that it hasn't always been like that for all of us. All right? We're going to be honest, right? A lot of us, we, we've, we've spent time out of obligation. It's okay. I admitted it. You can shake your head and admit it. It's all right. <laughs> but now's the time to change that and realize that he's not, you're not obligated to spend time with him. He just wants to do it because he loves you that much. Somebody loves you that much. He just wants to be with you. It's not even so that you can walk in more authority. 
even though you will, just because he wants to be with you. This is, this is the time, I believe, that we're, we're going to a whole nother level of authority in this season. But at the same time, we're realizing on a whole new level, he really just wants to be with me. He just wants to be with me. And so, Father, we thank you so much that you just want to be with us, that you, the God of the the universe, the uncreated one, the one that was here before anything existed, we thank you that you want to spend time with little old us. We thank you. Holy Spirit, would you rearrange everything in the internal house of our hearts? Would you begin to get rid of things that don't belong there, the clutter that's built up, the things that have got in the way? Would you begin to take things out that aren't supposed to be there? Would you begin to put those things in their place that belong there, the things that are in our new nature, our new character, that we would get a fresh revelation of what it is to live as a representation of you in the earth, that we would remember or, or be told all over again in a new way that we need it, of what this covenant is actually added to our lives of the value that it's added to us that we get to reciprocate to the rest of the world, that you'd show us, that you'd show us who we really are. I pray right now that hunger for your word would be sparked in every heart, that hunger and excitement for spending time with you would be sparked in every heart. And if it's already there, I ask that it would be increased that we would long to spend time with you. We'd long to spend time in your word till it's effortless that we walk in everything we were created for. I pray that our life would be that 2 Corinthians 3 thing that Paul said that they were living epistles written by the hand of God, by the Spirit of God. I pray that our lives would be like a signature of your name and everything that we do. That that we would be that living love song. Every area of our lives. We just want to be like you, Dad. We want to be like you. We want to show the world what you look like just the way that other people have shown us what you look like. Take us to new levels in our thinking. Help us to discipline ourselves to do this, to meditate on the things of your word. Make time so we can walk in this effortlessly the way we were created to. Speak peace every heart, every household. I pray as this shift takes place that as we realize our authority, that would increase the amount of people that we would see set free, that we would see healed, we would see miracles happen at a greater level than ever before, that the signs, wonders, and miracles would actually follow us the way your Bible says they will. I know we've seen great things, but we know there is so, so much more. And so thank you for the invitation today into the more. Let our lives be that same invitation to those that are around us. Help us to stop caring what people think so much. 
and be free to be us, to be a voice and not an echo. And we thank that we are, we are a voice, that we get to be the sound of love released in the earth. It's uniquely us. We thank you for that. You're unique. You're not just a carbon copy of someone else. You're unique. You're uniquely you. The most amazing person you could ever be is you. I thank you for that freedom coming right now. Thank you for that freedom coming right now, that freedom. Some of us don't even know what it looks like. I understand that feeling. Don't know what it looks like to be free to be me. That's all right. It's an amazing journey of discovery that Jesus is on with you. (laughs) So thank you, Father, for the amazing journey of discovery of who we are. Uniquely us, one with you, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We get the prayer team. You guys want to come up, guys, ladies? Our prayer team will ask you if you, you're okay with hands being laid on you or whatever. It's okay if you're not. We don't need to touch you for God to do something. If you guys need prayer for anything, please don't hesitate. You don't feel good. You got any breakthrough. If you just want somebody to partner with you in what, what was just talked about, we, we just wherever, whatever direction needs to go in, and I assume we're still live. And so thank you for joining in with us. We just bless you. We thank you for increase in their lives, Father, watching online. And if you guys need prayer for anything, we ask the email. Uh, support at revivetheworld.us. We want to pray with you, whether it's through email, text message, phone call. Uh, we'll make sure that we we pray with you. And thanks again for, for joining us. We're, we're grateful. You guys can go ahead and start coming if you need prayer. Man, it was good to be in the building with you. If you don't need prayer, hang out and talk to somebody. You don't know, introduce yourself to somebody you haven't met yet. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.us.